When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, guys, welcome back to the Established Past Podcast, presented by Clutch Points. I'm your host, Blake Bubble, with me as always, my co-host, Dylan Reagan. We're back here to look at the AFC North uh, in the next uh, installment of our division previews for the 2022 NFL season. Now, we've already made our way through the East, the AFC and NFC. Now, on to the North, uh, which, Dylan, is a very interesting division always, but I think this year, especially when you look at kind of where each team is at heading into the season and just like we said, I think it was the, the NFC East. Only three games separate these four teams in terms of projected win totals. Mm-hmm. We know that could mean something, could mean nothing. But at least going into the season, there's not a huge gap between these four, uh, maybe on paper in terms of projected wins. So, as always, this will be a very fascinating division with lots of interesting storylines. You've got the defending um, you know, runner-up coming out of here, the team that was picked last in this division last year. <laughs> so it kind of tells you, uh, what's always uh, possible in the, the AFC North. Yeah, it, maybe not. Uh, I know in some of the past years we've talked about the AFC North along with the NFC West is possibly the best division in football now. I think yeah, most people think of the AFC West, but um, still a really deep division, like we're saying. I don't think, uh, you know, for unlike the NFC East where the reason for the, uh, the high, at least for the fourth-place team, to have a decently high win total, I think, is because of the schedule that they have, being able to beat up on each other. Whereas these teams, it's, it's a little condensed, a lo- lower, because they have to face each other. It's more of a, a tougher schedule for some of these teams, AFC in general, as we've talked about. I mean, you look at top to bottom, there's a lot of teams you can see making the playoffs. And even any of these four teams, I wouldn't be shocked if any of these four teams make the postseason. I may be more surprised if at least two don't, I guess. Um and uh, at the top there, the Ravens and Bengals, but the Browns, depending on you know how much Deshaun plays, they still have a really good offensive line. Their defense could come together a little bit better in the secondary, I think, this year. And the Steelers, I mean, the Steelers haven't they have this win total at seven seven point five as we get to them eventually, but uh, that's their uh, win total in Vegas. But we're talking about a team that has never been under five hundred, right, under Mike Tomlin. So that would be they're already predicting them to for the first time for that to happen, even if they if they go over their win total eight and nine. So. All these teams, even when the Steelers have things going against them, they find a way to be right there in the mix. I think um, going to be interesting to see how that offense evolves with uh, without Big Ben. With you know the other GM's gone too. Mike Tomlin's like the one pillar of that team that's still there. But yeah, top to bottom, a really fun division. One that I always love watching all these games, and in particular, um, I think the Ra- uh, you know last year the Ravens were so beat up, but. Uh, those Ravens-Bengals games are going to be a lot of fun, I think. Um, should be potentially the top two teams, in my opinion, going into the into the season. Yep, should be uh, a fun couple games between those two. And like you said, all these games really um, can usually be very interesting depending on how things play out. All right, let's start with uh, our general overview kind of each team and what the ceiling and the floor could be for each of them. The Ravens are the team with the highest projected win total 
at 10 and a half. So uh, not the Bengals, who, as we said, are the uh, runner-up, uh, made it to the Super Bowl last year, as we know. But the Ravens trying to get uh, back to the Super Bowl. 10 and a half is the number set for them. Um, you know, I think certainly last season, you look at the injury to Lamar, and we talked about that a lot and the impact that had on their season. A healthy Lamar for the entire season, I think, should put the Ravens in a pretty good spot. Um, you know, offense looks a little bit different now. Marquise Brown, as we know, is with the Cardinals. Um, but, you know, got a good running back group led by J.K. Dobbins. You know kind of what you're going to get with the defense. Some anchors there on that side of the ball. Um, this is, you know, once again, I think the Ravens are kind of the Ravens. Like, it's, you know, I don't feel like they change all that much in terms of, you know what you're kind of going to get at this point from John Harbaugh and his teams. Um, you know, they're probably going to be there with a chance in every game, and I think it goes back to Lamar's project progression as always. Uh, I feel like passing-wise, that's something that will continue to be talked about. But, you know, I mean, we always talk about Dylan's very important, and we have to discuss it. Like, these schedules are important here. Yeah. And, you know, we look at it, I think it is – I'm trying to play this out in my head here. They get the NFC South – and the AFC East, I believe, yes, um, mm-hmm. is who the yeah the AFC North gets, and uh, so that's worth noting. Uh, the Ravens get all four of their AFC East games to start the season, which is a <laughs> an interesting note. There, mm-hmm. they play the Jets, Dolphins, Patriots, and Bills uh, first four games of the season, so that's out of the way. But really, beyond that, you know, road games uh, in Tampa, um, you know, you'll have your usual road games in the division, but. Honestly, beyond that, there's not a lot that just kind of sticks out at you with this schedule. Um, and then if you compare that to, which we'll talk about the Bengals in yep. a second, I think it's understandable why the Ravens have probably a higher projected win total here. So I am willing to go for the Ravens. Let's see, number set at 10.5. I, I'll go 9 as the lowest point. I just don't yeah. think they – again, that's a Lamar situation where if he is injured, something like that, which, you know, things can happen. Um, I'll go nine as the low point. High point, um, man, if everything clicks, I think I'd probably go up to 12 for the Ravens. So I'll go, I'll go nine to 12 for the Ravens here. I think those are pretty good numbers. I might go even just a tad higher. Um, I, I think they could be as good as a 13-4 and four kind of team if everything breaks right, even 14-3. and three. I mean, there's only a few teams where you could say that about. I, I think the Ravens, I, I wouldn't necessarily predict that, but – I, if I had to go on the ten and a half, I'd go over. I think nine, like you said, is probably putting the the floor for them. You know, given how many injuries they had last year, you mentioned Lamar, but they also had the uh, most adjusted games lost of any team since two thousand one. Just as a total roster with injuries they had, we already talked about the Jets having being the only team that had a, a more adjusted games lost by their defense uh, in terms of injuries. So yeah, it's just so many guys went down. This, the only reason this team even still went eight and nine is because of the depth they had. Um, able to still kind of even, and they lost still you know a number of really close games we talked about the times that they go for two or just touchdowns right at the end of the game and it didn't quite work out every single time they also won some close games at the 66 or however many yards it was that Justin Tucker kick against the Lions I think of that one but yeah just an interesting team last year where it's like you if they when, when they were healthy you think of what this what they ha- could have accomplished what they have accomplished the last few years I still think you know even at the Bengals rising up and improving their offensive line i think there's a reason like you said they're right here schedule wise is a big part of it but also just the roster they have with the schedule yeah i mean the three different games that they get in cincinnati and we'll get to the bengals ones uh when we get to them but you know outside of their own matchups the only three games that they have separate from cincinnati are those cross um, division ones so they get teams like denver uh the giants 
and I'm, I'm trying to find the last one that they get on that cross uh, schedule, but they're much easier games uh, than, than the Bengals have just based on their opponents and based on where they finished. Obviously, the Ravens finishing down at the bottom uh, of this of this division despite uh, you know being right in the playoff race till uh, the end of the season. So just going to – I think that those different games that they're going to have on that schedule are ultimately going to end up potentially playing a decently big role in um, how this all ends up panning out, you know, not having the – face teams like the Chiefs, not having to face the Cowboys. I mean, yes, Denver could be better, but those things matter a lot. Um, and I just think the health, I mean, and it, it, Lamar is the biggest one, but I, it's the whole roster. that We just forget, I mean, not forget necessarily, but you kind of lose track at a certain point. There's so many things happening of how many talented guys this team has. And, yes, they have had some turnover that, that on the defense in general. I wouldn't say it's as um, – as intimidating of a unit as we're maybe used to of the of the Ravens uh, historically, but still projected to have the 11th best defense by Football Outsiders DVOA projections. Offense more in the 13 range. I still, yeah, I think they'll be a good team. Maybe not a overly great team. Special teams they always excel out, and that you know that can win you. That's the Bill Parcells saying of how the quickest way to, to to start winning more games is just improve your special team. So they already they've obviously nailed that. I think they had a great draft to fill in some holes and. While taking best players available, they always seem to have solid drafts, and it's just I think the depth won't be hopefully tested as much. Hopefully, we get more positive injury news, like as we're recording, J.K. Dobbins getting activated on track for Week One. That hopefully get more of those updates than these guys being out, um, like Marcus Peters last year before the season. Those kind of things, uh, just unlucky that really hit them. And despite all the adversity, they still you know go eight and nine, and easily could have been ten and seven and have been sitting in the wild card. All right, well, that's the Ravens, and like you said, I think a lot of will, I just, yeah, I think Lamar is, is certainly going to be dependent on a lot of this, um, depending on where they go, but yeah, I'm with you. I think I'd go over at 10.5, I'll stay with 9 to 12 for my range for the Ravens. All right, the Bengals, we said, they are the runner-up, uh, the Super Bowl curse. Um, we'll see if it uh, has anything to do with the Bengals in terms of coming up just short against the Rams. Uh, in the Super Bowl, and now their number is set at nine and a half. And again, that is the difference, like you talked about, in the schedules. Uh, I think between between these two, having to play that game in Dallas, um, obviously you get the divisional games, having to go to Tennessee, play the Chiefs, the Bucks. Um, you know those kind of games. Obviously, as we mentioned, the Bills are also on the schedule for both those teams. So, um, boy, the back half of the schedule for the Bengals is brutal. Yeah, um, it is. I mean, you know, after the bye, they're at Pittsburgh, at Tennessee. Home against the Chiefs, home against the Browns, at Tampa, at New England, home against the Bills, home against the Ravens. I mean, you're talking one, two, three, four, five, six. I think six probably projected playoff teams in there. Yep. Um, and that's not counting the Steelers and the Browns as right now, but we know mm-hmm. they could both be in the conversation, perhaps, depending on how this division plays out. So, um, yeah, I mean, that just kind of shows you what you get for the Bengals as being as good as they were last season. And, you know, now it's just the encore. Um, you know, we know what their offense was going to accomplish. We know what their defense could do last season. Um, Burrow has got some help now. Uh, probably won't get sacked as much. That's yeah. a that's a good thing. Um, I think that will make a big difference too. So to think the offense could get even better. Um, you know, even with the tough schedule, I think the Bengals with Joe Burrow under center, we know what they're capable of. And you know, you look at this number nine and a half. Honestly, I'm I'm not going lower than nine for them. I just don't see them being a, a team with a losing record, even with such a tough schedule. Um, I think, again, that's like I'll probably stay. I'll go the same here. I'll go nine to twelve for the Bengals yeah. too, because I think you know, best case scenario, again, their offense 
could just be good enough to put up some ridiculous points and um, you know and, and just kind of play it out that way. But I, I think that's probably right. I wouldn't go higher than twelve, even though that may seem a little high given their schedule, just because it is a tough back half there, and you know maybe go through a, a two or three game skid, and that can certainly knock your number down a little bit. So I'll, I'll go nine to, to twelve. I don't again. I don't see the Bengals really falling off too much here. Um, and if I had to pick, you know. Nine and a half, I I go over on that. I just think nine to twelve is probably the best range. So yeah, I I think the twelve, maybe eleven, twelve range, and same. Maybe I'll, I'll just to be a little bit different. I'll go eight to eleven, only because of the schedule, only because the defense really took off in the playoffs. But through the regular season, uh, you know, and outside of some games against teams that are really beat up and offenses that weren't exactly the best, they were kind of an infuriating team at times uh, last season, early in the year at least, where they beat up on. They play really well against good teams, maybe in some cases just lose like they did barely in that uh, crazy overtime game to the Packers. But then they lose games to like the Bears, the Jets, just tough performances at times uh, from that team. I will say as the year went on, the offense in particular really improved from weeks uh, 1 through 9. They had they were 23rd in DVOA from weeks 11 on after their bye, 6th in offense. So, I mean, it's anecdotal too, but it all, just watching it, you could tell like this team really kicked in another gear. Burrow looked just com- uh, you know really confident in his knee, I think, at that point too, even with the beating that he took having, I think, but you know, it's including the, the postseason, this stat, but he had this, uh, had the most sacks by any quarterback taken since David Carr in the uh, inaugural year of the Texans. Not, not something that you want to continue. So yeah, we, as we've talked about all offseason, improving the offensive line was such a big thing. And for them, it's not even about, they got uh, some really good guys and they're excited to see what they can do, but it, it wasn't like they needed stars. They just needed guys to be better than bad. Um, yeah, a lot of guys departing, uh, only, only potentially one uh, starter from last season, Jackson Carmen, that could still be in there along the offensive line. I'm excited to see what the defense does. I think losing Ogan Joby will be interesting to see how that how that impacts them. You know, to expect the kind of production we saw throughout the season from Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson, tough. I, I, I do believe though in that in the unit they have. I think the continuity of the coaching staff. And the things we saw them start to do in the in the playoffs really well with you know blending. You know they don't really have more of a shapeshifter kind of identity on defense. And you know getting making sure Jesse Bates plays is obviously such a huge thing. All the contract stuff with him, it's it's unfortunate if you're a Bengals fan thinking about the fact that he after this year he might potentially be gone if they, if they're not able to figure out an extension. That's why you draft a guy like Dax Hill and you hope that he can quickly develop into that same role but you just want jesse bates to be there he's so young he's only 25 like it's i don't you know that's a a whole other conversation with some of the things that have happened with this team and guaranteed money and how if they're able to keep their core that's more of a long-term picture if we're looking just at this season making sure jesse bates is back there is so crucial for all the jokes made about eli apple he's pretty solid cornerback uh, had some pretty good numbers in terms of success rate, um, 17th of all corners. It's not really as indicative of what you'd think with all the memes that you see uh, about about Eli Apple out there. But, yeah, I think they should be a, a good team. It's just the schedule. Last year their schedule ends up being not exact, insanely hard. You have really banged up. Both times they played the Ravens, those defenses were completely decimated with injuries. Um, I think the schedule, yeah, it's just going to be more of a grind. But we saw them, you know, be able to f- – uh, that regular season crazy game against the Chiefs, where they clinched the division. They're able to, they're able to get in these shootouts and, and perform well. They seem to rise to the occasion against their, the top opponents. So, yes, uh, maybe maybe it will be the difference in the division. We'll see. But having those extra three games be against, the, I, I mentioned the, they get the Chiefs, 
Um, and uh, the one that I missed on the other schedule for the Ravens, they get the ba- uh, Jaguars while the Bengals get the Titans. Even if you don't think the Titans are going to be as good as last year, yeah, that's a tougher. That's just a tougher game. They're in Tennessee, and uh, we already mentioned one team gets Dallas and the Bengals, and the Ravens get the Giants. So those three games, I mean, they just have a chance to swing you. And winning those matchups between those two teams would be a lot of fun, I'm sure, because the Ravens uh, they got torched, and again they had all those injuries and. Had some trash talk with the defensive coordinator with with Joe Burrow, but uh, yeah, I still think I mean, I'll, I'll say eight. Just if things really don't go well, uh, you know, if the defense, is, you know, they didn't have necessarily the best DVOA in the regular season. If they don't take a bit of a jump, and even if the offense performs well, maybe they lose some closer games. I'll say eight as the absolute floor, um, but their ceiling. May, I mean, I'll go about where you said too. Twelve wins. I still think. They have that capability. I still think if they win some of the closer games against their t- uh, tougher opponents and just keep Joe on the field, obviously, that's the biggest thing. But, they, I mean, their skill position, I, you know, we're talking about all the things that uh, could contribute to um, them being, you know, they need all those other depth parts to really make them into a Super Bowl team again. But, uh, obviously, we know the skill position guys that, uh, that they have that are just, I mean, you can put that, that whole group um, again, even with Uzama losing Uzama in free agency, I mean, you can put that whole group against anyone and say it's one of the best skill position units uh, from top to bottom in the entire NFL. They're just a ridiculous, you know, that three-headed monster receivers and Chase Higgins and Boyd. Um, we'll see how Hurst does coming in at tight end, right? Um, uh, yeah, but they – and I'm excited to see what if Chris Evans' role even uh, takes a bit of a jump there. I, I saw some exciting things from him. Obviously, we know what Mixon can do. If you're a fantasy owner of Mixon, you don't want to hear anything about Chris Evans or P. Ryan or anyone else taking too many snaps from him. But, yeah, I just think they're going to have more time to throw. And, I, uh, you know, obviously, with the offensive line, I think they'll be a little more creative maybe with some of the different wrinkles they start to implement, um, not just – you know, one-on-one quick things with Chase. I think we'll see some fun stuff, and potentially Cincinnati will be right back in that conversation as a Super Bowl team. Well, what do we do with the Browns? Because they're next up, and they're at eight and a half. Um, obviously, the Deshaun Watson situation is, um, you know, that's, I mean, it's where you have to note that in terms of how you kind of project out the Browns. If their, their win total is eight and a half, um, I think that certainly that, that plays a role in, what do you maybe get from the Browns? Now, the good news, I think, somewhat, I don't want to say it's completely positive, but at least you start the season with, you know, the Panthers, the Jets, Steelers, and Falcons, who probably, um, some of those teams will will certainly be okay, but I think those are teams that will be projected to finish towards the bottom of their divisions. Um, so getting those in the first four games, then you get the Chargers and Patriots after that, um, you know, and it is a schedule, too, like we said. It's one where... There's some rough spots, but there's also a lot of opportunity, especially in those, you know, first several games. Yeah. And that's where I'm sure the Browns are thinking, boy, if we had Deshaun Watson for those first four games, uh, we may be 4-0 heading into the <laughs> game against uh, the Chargers on October the 9th. But that will not be the situation, uh, perhaps. And um, so that's the setup now for the Browns. They're a team that we know, um, you know, after, you know, such a, a good season a couple of years ago, uh it's just kind of last year we kind of saw how things played out and um you know it was just kind of one of those things where like we said it's it's a really tough division um you know it's one where you look at them finishing eight and nine it wasn't quite the follow-up that they wanted with kevin stefanski there uh, but now a different situation baker mayfield's no longer there but they still have a lot of good pieces on offense and like we mentioned depending on when deshaun watson takes the field that will be very important 
meanwhile, um, you know, you look at some of the other intangibles maybe that this team can bring to the table. We know who they have on defense leading the way um, and, again, what they're capable of on, on that side of the ball. So I think the defense will be a, a very big strength still mm-hmm. of this team, I, I think, in what they're you know able to do and what the offense looks like pre-Deshaun Watson and post-Deshaun Watson. Those are probably the biggest questions. This is a hard one because I'm just like, you know, that number is eight and a half, and I want to say like – Hmm. I want to say it's probably going to be somewhere in the. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Like I don't know how low I want to go with the Browns. Maybe seven in worst case scenario, um, but I think I'm actually going to go like eight. To, I'm going to go eight to ten. I think that's a little smaller of a range, but I still think they're probably an eight to ten win team. But like I said, I think that's just not knowing what you're going to get necessarily once Deshaun Watson's there and also what you get when he's not there. And I don't know, this is, this is the hardest one for me to probably choose in terms of our ceiling and floor for, for a specific team. So, Oh yeah. It's, in, it's insanely hard. Cause how are you, yeah, we just, there's no way to know uh, how many games Deshaun's going to play if he plays any games, even with uh, the current situation. Yeah. So it's like, it's a whole different team. <laughs> you think about obviously <laughs> when, when Deshaun was on the field, uh, that, that, in that last season that he played in 2020 for the Texans, I mean, they had a bad record, but he was doing ridiculous things with a uh, torn apart roster around him. He's throwing to Kiki yeah. Cutie and all these guys that just, uh, he, he, if, and it's just, but also projecting, we've talked about this. Is he going to, can he, is he still going to play at that level? It's, it's tough to, you know, not be able to play football, at least in the outside of practice for, I have a whole season off that didn't affect guys like Jamar Chase, obviously, but it's a whole different thing playing quarterback and just in general with the situation here. So, yeah, it's it, it sets the whole the whole conversation there because man, I I don't know, like I, I'm more trying to think. All right, with just with Brissett as a starting quarterback for the whole year, if I imagine that, what do I think their floor and ceiling is? Maybe there it's more like a six is the floor to a ten win if everything really goes well. Um, yeah. If say if Deshaun plays at least a little bit, then bump that that bottom number up to maybe seven eight range and. Uh, then you know, still maybe eleven wins is still probably the the highest I'd go up as the absolute ceiling for this team. They still, despite you know not finishing as high, so having some of those cross matchups is bad. Getting the Chargers and as your AFC West opponent, not an easy one, I think, with how that roster has improved and what Justin Herbert has done. Um, Houston, they they get in Washington, so not as bad, but still, right now because they have to play Cincinnati and Baltimore each twice, unlike those teams not having to play themselves, that contributes to them having. The fifth toughest projected schedule by football outsiders with the Browns so not going to be as easy last year they had the 20 ended up being the um, 24th uh, toughest schedule so like the eighth uh, eighth or ninth um, easiest schedule by the end of it complete flip there I do think the defense has a chance to be pretty good um, obviously they got to stay healthy like any team but you have Jatavian Clowney Miles Garrett you think about uh, the interior of that off of that defensive line with Jordan Elliott. I think these guys can be have a pretty solid year. I think Chase Winovich, his role just kind of completely started evaporating in New England, but I still think he could have bring some interesting wrinkles to the table. I think uh, more confidence in the health of uh, Wosu Koromoa. I think he really, uh, you know, becoming a premier linebacker for them uh, elevates that defense already in, in itself. Um, that you know the secondary, obviously Denzel Ward. 
I got his huge contract. Maybe he's not the, the top corner in the league, but he's still up there with some of the best guys. And I, I do think they have some other good corners and Greg Newsom and Grady Williams. And if they continue to develop, I think John Johnson having another year getting used to being, you know, going from the Rams defense that he was so accustomed to, to a completely different scheme. And then Grant Delpit too. I think just this whole unit overall um, has a chance to be, uh, you know, they finished 11th in DVOA last year. I wouldn't be shocked if they're a top seven-ish team on that side of the football. And then you have an offensive line that, you know, uh, still have two of the, arguably two of the best guards in the league in Batonio and White Teller, that combination of guys. Um, Jedrick Wills has obviously been solid. Jack Conklin's health, a very important thing for this team. But uh, And, you know, they'll be fine, I think, with Nick Harris there at center. So, yeah, that, just that unit itself. And, you know, bringing in Mari Cooper, and I think he, you know, a guy that we talked a bit, a bit about in the Cowboys episode, we'll see how much they end up really missing him. I think value, maybe a little, the Browns did a good job making that trade before the receiver market kind of popped off and might have had to give up more than that. I think it was just a fifth round pick, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, it's not maybe the most intimidating receiver room or, you know, coming off years where we had Odell and Jarvis Landry. Jarvis has obviously had so many injuries, Odell as well. And, uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones has played pretty well from what we've seen. I'm excited to see uh, how he does this year, um, to just continuing to take steps forward. Uh, still have some interesting weapons, even if they're not like the most traditional uh, guys in terms of what position they play, like Demetric Felton. Obviously, kind of. I, I mean, it's hard to think of a deeper running back room, given that I think Dearness Johnson would be starting on a few teams, and he's third on the depth chart. So... Even if they don't have Deshaun, I mean, this team, you know, how, you know, I still think Baker, a healthy Baker, I'd take him over Jacoby Brissett, but I, you know, Baker struggled with injuries, and this team still battled with some really good teams. They almost beat the Packers on Christmas. I mean, they, they, they competed in a lot of, a lot of ways, and, and we'll see, you know, the, the cloud of the Deshaun Watson situation and everything if that how big of an impact that has I, I wouldn't doubt that it will have an impact it's tough for not to obviously with his availability but also just the constant uh storyline uh, every time you go on the road i'm sure fans are not going to be very have some nice things to say about the browns so yeah it's going to be an interesting year for cleveland and it's just so hard they're, they're easily the team that you know we'll get to the steelers in a second year and i think there's they have a maybe a decently wide range depending on how some things come together but man it's just we just don't know. We it, there's so much uncertainty at this point. It, we're we're only a month out. I think exactly while recording, a month away from September 8th, the, the season opener, uh, not for them but for the NFL. And it's like, uh, man, like I just there's so many questions about what's going to happen. And if you're a Browns fan, it's just so much uncertainty. Um, and you just you hope that uh, at least uh, you know, the defense in particular and the running game and those and those guys, if they stay healthy, this team can still be in contention through the season. I still think they have a chance to, at the playoffs for sure. Yeah, you said it. I think the defense and the running game, even without Deshaun Watson, I think they could be fine, especially with how the, the opening part of that schedule sets up. So I'll, I'll stay optimistic and go 8-10, to 10, but um, like you mentioned, I don't think it's – it's not unreasonable to think that number could be lower to six or so if, um, if he doesn't play the entire yeah. season or something like that. So we'll see. All right, the Steelers are last year, seven and a half, not that far as we said off from the Ravens at the top, ten and a half. Uh, but Steelers, seven and a half, and understandable. They are the team with the most unknowns, I think, coming into the season um, in this division. And, um, you know, it, it all starts the quarterback position. Uh, I think that's, uh, as we always say, like it or not, that's where the attention goes first. And, 
your options are Trubisky, um, Mason Rudolph, and Kenny Pickett. And, you know, how that plays out, I think, will make a big difference in terms of how we perceive the Steelers, uh, because their offense has just been something that you just have not known what you're going to get. Um, you know, how, what happens with the wide receiver unit. We know what Deontay Johnson's capable of, Chase Claypool. Of course, there are high expectations mm-hmm. for George Pickens. Um, but, you know, if your quarterback situation is not consistent, then that doesn't do a whole lot for those kind of guys. So, uh, defense, we know there's still some stalwarts there and, and guys that will make plays, um, so that will help. And I think there will be some games where the Steelers may need their defense to, to score some points um, for them to, to win some of these. But, uh, I mean, I pull up their schedule here, seven and a half. Um, I still think best-case scenario, there's probably enough talent here for them to make the playoffs. I just don't know what that path looks like to get there. Um you know, that's a, it's a tough start to the season. At Cincinnati, home against New England, at Cleveland. Then you've got Buffalo, Tampa, all but all, but you, all in, like, mid-October, right? Like, yeah. those are all games you have to play before mid-October. Um, you still got to go to Miami. You got to go to Philadelphia. You got to go to Indianapolis. I mean, you got the Raiders. It's not it's not easy. So, uh, I'm going to go seven as the low. Again, I, I just think the Steelers are one of those teams I don't really expect to fall too far, even if they're not a yeah. playoff team. But I'll go seven as the low point. Honestly, the highest point, I'll go ten to just let's say, you know, they, they reach um, the playoffs, get there, I think probably, you know, getting to ten wins. But that may be, again, I, I try to be optimistic here. Um, maybe more like nine is more – reasonable uh, for maybe the makeup of this particular team, but I'll, I'll go 7-10 to 10 and, oh man, if I had to pick right now, mm, I don't know. Like, it's it's tough because, like, all of these, like I said, I'd probably go over on the Ravens. Bengals, I'd probably go over. Browns, mm, they're a tough one, too. It's like, can I, can I go over on everyone? Is that <laughs> work statistically? Like, oh, I'm sure it can. Favor but... out, but, um, yeah, I I don't know. Seven to nine for the Steelers, or like I said, seven to ten. I think is what I mentioned. Um, I don't have I don't have a great grasp on this one, but that's why they're they're projected near the bottom of the division, I guess. So yeah, it's uh, I just it's the whole again the whole factor with Mike Tomlin. He's has a history of you know at least in the wins over expected wins from football outsiders. He's routinely the last few years. Uh, winning more games than you'd expect from his team, right there with Brian, Brian Flores with the Dolphins. I mean, they have had some pretty brutal uh, offenses in the passing game in the last few years. Just the fact that Big Ben came back from that that crazy surgery on his arm uh, was you know commendable. But he the average depth of target, the, what they're able to do as an offense, uh, the net yards per pass, all the numbers in the passing game and the routes they were having these guys run, really, really dropped off, and it, it made it tough. It makes it tough, uh, uh, you know, think about. Uh, now, obviously, we'll get to the Chiefs eventually with Juju Smith-Schuster going over there. But I wonder if he's a guy that, you know, his value, maybe there's a point where he was a little overrated. Now he's probably underrated with what his value could have been. He just wasn't utilized in a way to take advantage of his skill set. I mean, it makes it all the more impressive what Deontay Johnson was able to do last season at, at times, Clay Poole. Uh, I, I still think Fryermuth is a really solid option there, just the second coming of Heath Miller, essentially, <laughs> at tight end. Um, I, I do have questions, obviously, on offense starting there. Uh, you know, still you're going, yes, you're going from Big Ben and the, some of the things that he struggled with to a new QB, but there's no guarantees that Kenny Pickett will immediately step in there and, and put up huge numbers like he did in college with the, you know, some of the 
opponents he faced and the time he had to throw and he still struggled with the fumbles in college not going to go I'm not someone who's gonna be too worried about his hand size but it's just the actual stats about his fumbles I mean those are things that at times can uh, really you've got to protect the football in the NFL the turnovers are just so so crucial as they are in all levels but especially in, in the NFL and I think, you know, this offensive line, we've talked about it before, you know, after the 2020 season, they lose yeah, so many guys, Marquise Pouncey, David DeCastro, Alejandro Villanueva. I mean, the whole line that was there for years and years, and they just haven't really yet found, like, the, the, the pieces. I mean, they, they bring in a couple guys to uh, to hopefully, and Mason Cole and James Daniels to help them out, but they're not, like, you know, necessarily superstars. They still have questions at tackle position, uh, you know, Dan Moore wasn't exactly great last year, and I, they're gonna. At this point, it looks like he's probably gonna be the starter, despite some other additions they made. So I just I wonder with that line, it's like yes, Najee Harris I think is a beast, and he, uh, you know, had got so many carries, obviously so many opportunities, but he's also getting hit a lot and not having, uh, you know, his first contact not happening too far down the field. It's just tough when a team knew you're gonna be running as much as they did. Can they open it up? Can they get a little more, um, you know? get some things schematically opening them there i think the bigger thing here is how much can this defense rebound i mean they were um at times giving up you know pretty crooked numbers last year they end up finishing 14th in dvoa i think they're they're going to rebound in a big way they don't make yes they have some deficiencies but uh and maybe not the maybe they're a little top heavy because it's hard not to when you have a guy like tj watt to start but then cameron hayward obviously amazing mika fitzpatrick i mean this team has superstars but then they have guys that on this in the secondary at linebacker talking about uh, Devin Bush and some of the things that have uh, some of the stats and things that have been said about him they don't they don't extend him for this fifth year with his fifth year option he doesn't uh, some of his quotes don't make it seem like he thinks there's anything wrong with his play but man he's struggled in coverage just at times last year um, uh, was just basically being targeted over the middle and not even yeah, some of his tackle numbers don't look terrible but the, some of the things you read about are like yeah because he's not in position to even get a hand on the guy um so I, I do have questions about the depth of the whole defense and some deficiencies but Watt and Hayward if they stay healthy take away a lot of those I still think that's going to be the what eventually as it has the last few years has carried this team think about how dominant that team was in 2019 on defense and they still only went eight and eight so you know, you have that extra game, maybe. Yeah, I think seven to eight wins is the floor. I don't think I'm going to – I have a hard time still predicting that Mike Tomlin's not going to find a way to win a few extra games uh, and get this uh, – you know, get everyone believing in what they're able to do here. I'll say eight wins. I think that's where you said, too, with the floor. Maybe ten. It's a pretty short range for me. Maybe seven to ten if some things don't go well. I would predict them to go over in terms of the, all the predictions. If I had to, I'd say Ravens and Bengals over – I'm the Ravens one. I'm a little scared they'll go ten and seven, but you know, would take that. I would probably take the Browns under just with the, all the uncertainty, and then the Steelers over. But yeah, um, I mean, the, you're you're like, can all four of them do it? Yes, I guess it's possible. But also, they're also close to like 500 records here on this on these over unders. I think there's a possibility. Uh, the schedule for the Steelers, though, fourth projected, uh, uh, fourth toughest. I mean, yeah, having to face again just like the Browns, having to face the Ravens and Bengals twice each. Does not make for an easy um, road, and um, just obviously knowing what Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky, if he's going to be the starter uh, at the beginning of the year, potentially, what those guys are able to do. Yes, Mitch looked pretty good at times in Buffalo and his in short uh, spurts, but um, uh, and those blowouts and different things. But it's a whole different thing playing with what the Bills have going and what the Steelers at this point have on offense. I, I you know, maybe he'll 
play above his projections. Maybe he'll put up a really solid rookie season. And if he can just be fine given and, and just increase the route tree, be able to throw the ball down the field a bit more, which at times he did pretty well at Pittsburgh. Um, so I, I, am, I think there's a chance that they're able to, to hit on something here in terms of being at least solid on that side of the ball. And if their defense rebounds, and yeah, then we're talking about a team in the playoffs. The issue is the whole AFC. I mean, I, I'm just looking while we're talking about this at the um, at the whole win projections from Football Outsiders, and it's like the AFC is ridiculous. Uh, I know we've t- we I keep harping on this, but like in the NFC, I have a hard time thinking maybe like eight nine teams can make the playoffs. Like maybe nine, I, I, that ninth team is a little tough uh, for me to, to come up with from the NFC. Whereas the AFC, it's like you get down the list, and you know, outside of maybe like the Jets and the even, but could, I mean, could the Jags? in theory win that division i just the afc has like it's almost like 12 13 teams that i could see making the playoffs that's what makes it tough for the steelers and browns with anyone here it's like how only so many teams can get in there uh, obviously a lot of things go crazy in the nfl season a lot of injuries happen so uh but that's the only thing for the steelers like yeah i want to be optimistic then i look at the gauntlet of everyone and it's just like i feel like there's a chance that we're going to have the team that gets that last wild card and the team that finishes like third or fourth last in the AFC overall being like a game or two apart. I think it's going to be that close potentially by the end of it. Yeah, this could, as we said, this could be a very, very fascinating division to watch and um, quite, quite a range. I mean, like we did like our, our range on these teams is pretty interesting. So we'll see how it plays out uh, in the AFC North. Uh, quickly, we will wrap up with our picks for each of these uh, division MVP, breakout player, fantasy MVP. We start with our division MVP, and uh, this is a tough one, gentlemen, because like we talked about, even though we're both going to pick different people here, it doesn't really give away maybe necessarily who we're going to pick to win the division just yet, because I think both of these cap- these players are capable of winning the fantasy, or winning the division MVP, even if their team doesn't win um, the division, yep. and it's because you know they're that impactful. So I'm going to go Joe Burrow. Uh, I just think you know better offensive line. You feel like there's perhaps going to be more opportunities. Yes, there's a season under his belt now for opposing teams to really maybe know what to expect from this offense. But there's still so much talent here, and he's got so many weapons to choose from. A better offensive line. I think the numbers he's going to put up are probably going to be pretty ridiculous. So I'll go Joe Burrow. Uh, and again, that's not necessarily me saying that I think the Bengals are going to win. Luckily, I don't have to make that decision just yet, uh, but um, I think he's my choice for this one. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good choice, uh, given what he did last season, given talking about the stats again of how uh, the second half of the season, as he got more confident in his health, as they as they kind of hit the rhythm, what they're able to do, and so much continuity at the, at the skill positions. Obviously, I think some of these guys in the offensive line quickly are going to fill in really well. Uh, Ted Karras going to play center, can play guard if he has to. Obviously, Alex Kappa was a huge part of the Tampa Bay offensive line, and then Lael Collins from from the Cowboys. So, yeah, I mean, just given that <laughs> what he had to play with last year, and then they still have all those skill position guys, and what Jamar and him can do, and uh, T. Higgins, we talked about how his value ended up being right there with Jamar's in terms of some of these advanced stats. So, man, I don't, yeah, I, I think I'm partially going with a different option just because I want to be a little different. But uh, I could see Joe Burrow not just winning the division MVP here, but potentially being in the MVP hunt. Maybe the schedule makes it tough, but I think there's a chance that he'll be at least in the conversation. I'm going with Lamar Jackson. Um, I know this isn't super original choice, but, uh, you know, he struggled with injuries the last, yeah, obviously last year and had the concussion in the, in the playoffs the year before in Buffalo. Um, I just think that with this offensive line potentially being a bit better, I think uh, Ty, we'll see how quickly Tyre Lindenbaum quickly becomes the, the number one center. If 
Um, they, you know, weapons-wise, you maybe a little bit more to be desired, but I still think Rashad Bateman could be uh, given some of his stats and his ability to win one-on-one and how he performed against man defense. I think there's a chance that he has a, a pretty big uh, season. Obviously, we know what Mark Andrews can do, uh, but obviously his ability to run with Lamar. So I just think all of it combined, I think if the Ravens get back to being a playoff team, um, yes, their defense might be able to take a step back up with a lot more health, hopefully, fingers crossed, this season. Um, but I, I, I do think that Lamar, by the end of it, there's a chance that he's I don't, I'm not predicting 2019 I mean his MVP numbers are just absurd if you look at those and compare them against other seasons and the value and everything it's it's not, not something we'll probably see uh, from him again but that's not saying he can't be really good and has uh, the ability at times I think he's improved as a passer I think if you there's a still uh, narratives about his passing ability if you watch his highlights of guys dropping passes and just him throwing dimes uh, into smaller to smaller uh, downfield holes I mean I I, I think he's yeah, maybe he's not Aaron Rodgers or Joe Burrow or some of these guys at their accuracy, but I think he's he's really improved. And um, I think that, you know, just having different answers and his ability to throw makes defenses have to adapt. And as they do, it's going to just open up more running lanes. So um, I, I think it helps having J.K. Dobbins potentially back in there, obviously all the offensive line guys. So, yeah, I think there's a chance that by the end of it, we're looking at both Lamar and Burrow having really strong seasons. And I just – I'm just so excited to watch those games. I just hope both teams – can stay pretty healthy uh, for those matchups because it's, I don't think we're going to see necessarily, you know, maybe it will happen. Joe Burrow is pretty crazy, but I don't know if we're going to see him throw for 400 yards twice against the Ravens defense again. Um, uh, but I, I do think that both guys are going to have fantastic years and should be two, two of the better young quarterbacks as they have been for years, um, years for Lamar, uh, Joe. Now, after last season, I think both those guys are going to have fantastic years. Well, I support the Lamar division MVP choice because my breakout player is someone you just mentioned, uh, Rashad Bateman. I think that's, like we mentioned, Brown's in Arizona now. Um, Bateman, I think, someone who's fully expected to take a, a big step forward this season uh, in year two. And just think he'll have a more, you know, I think add a lot more value to the offense this year too. And like we said, that's also going to be dependent on Lamar playing a lot of games this season, whereas you know, there was injury situations up last year. So, I think Bateman could help, you know, the Ravens really with their passing game yeah. and, you know, Andrews will, will get his and such. But I think Bateman could have a big season. I'm going to go with him as my breakout player pick. Yeah, I, I really do think on the offensive side, it's tough to think of, you know, there's so many good guys on this team, but I think he's one that really has a chance um, to uh, – there's so many – it's hard to say because there's so many guys in the, on the AFC North on skill positions that I think have already broken out or you, it would be hard to argue that, yeah, they can maybe ascend into superstardom, but they already are really good players. I think Bateman's a guy for sure. He's the first guy uh, at the receiver position that I think by the end of the season he stays healthy. His ability, again, some of his – numbers uh and winning one-on-one matchups and some of the things that when uh it's uh, matt Harmon from yahoo sports he records uh stats charts on all receivers and try basically trying to give you a look at what's happening down the field when the camera on on you know when you don't have the all 22 when you're watching on tv what's happening downfield this guy's beating guys at a pretty high rate still uh for and his and his few opportunities he's received i think if he can stay healthy i agree i think he's gonna potentially be a, a really big uh, player and probably the, the outside of Mark Andrews' number one receiving option in that offense. Going on the other side of the ball, though, um, a guy that maybe I'm just so excited of when he came out, and I think that he still could become a, a top number two corner and a guy that, you know, maybe maybe he's not 
I don't know if this is saying he's going to break out into being a superstar. I don't think he's going to be as good as Denzel Ward. But I think there's a chance that Caridi Williams becomes one of the better number two corners in the league on the outside. Uh, I, I think with Newsom mostly going to be playing nickel. I think Greedy, if he he's going to have opportunity and put in put in spots where he's going to have to guard, you know, not every you know if Denzel Ward's guarding the number one guy, there's going to be some chances of some teams that have we talk about the we're just talking about their division rival and the and the Bengals with all the maybe he's on T, maybe he's the guy that's more on Jamar, and I think there's going to be put in some tough spots, but I think there's a chance with some of the things that he's able to do when he's on the field. And you see the steps being made, and over the course of last season, this defense for the Browns really improving, and especially on that on that uh, part of the defense. I think there's a chance that he, yeah, maybe he's not going to be Denzel Ward. Maybe that's just a little unlikely to to um, to to say. But I think that there's a chance that he'll be a little more consistent. I mean, he had last year. He had games where, yeah, he didn't play insanely well uh, early in the season against the Cardinals. A.J. Green had some big completions. He was just kind of inconsistent, but he also had games against the Chargers where, you know, basically uh, very few, there's like only 32 yards against him in that game on uh, eight targets from Justin Herbert. I, you just, he had these sparks where you're like, man, this guy can really do it. It's just being more consistent. So I'll say that Greedy's able to be more consistent by the end of it. We're looking at him as, you know, maybe not, not your number one running or uh, corner on, on any of the top teams, but uh, you look at him and it's like, wow, having him as your number two guy, that really just solidifies the Browns' uh, secondary there. Well, fantasy division MVP, I mean, take your pick. I think there's a lot of different choices here. Um, we could go, uh, you go Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, Najee Harris, Jamar Chase. Uh, yep. If you want to, you know, pick Lamar to be back to, to MVP form, you could do that. Uh, Mark Andrews, I mean, this guy, there, there's a lot of guys that will – be right there in kind of that that very similar range, I think, when it comes to their production. So I don't think you can go wrong in, in many different directions here. I'm going to go Nick Chubb. I think uh, you know that too could be dependent on uh, Deshaun Watson. Uh, so maybe it's kind of a little risky to pick him in the spot because depending on how many games Watson plays, um, you know, if, if it is Jacoby Brissett, let's say the entire season, maybe that does some things where everybody's like, all right, we're going to make him pass and beat us that way. Um, kind of shuts down a little bit with Chubb, but I just think Chubb's so good that yeah. he will he will get a lot of opportunities. There will be no shortage of those, even with Kareem Hunt still there. But uh, I'll go Nick Chubb. I think that he could have a, a pretty strong fantasy season and obviously at a very valued position at running back. Um, yeah, I think he's a he's a good choice, but like I mentioned, you, you can't go wrong in four or five different directions here. And he's one of the perfect combinations of great offensive line and a guy that just runs people over. We talked about all of his expected yards over um, – uh, in terms of his carries and how often he's able to, after first contact, getting two, three extra yards. Uh, obviously, has the home run ability. This man, when he gets going, it's so fun to watch. Chubb and obviously very big fan favorite there in Cleveland. So I, I 100% could see him. You know, it maybe a little murkier overall running back situation um, in terms of fantasy. If you look at like number ones, it's like after a couple guys, you're like, are like there's a lot of options as possibilities, but could they be really the top? Um, like number three, number four, I think he's a chance that he ends up being one of the third or fourth most valuable uh, running backs in the entire league um, and fantasy in particular. So uh, I'm right there with you. I went with Jamar Chase. Um, I, I think there's a chance that basically I mean, maybe we don't see the 260-yard games and some of the insane performances he had last year. But uh, maybe I think we'll see a little more consistency. And as a fantasy owner, I'm sure a lot of people will be happy with that because there were times where he'd have – pretty low totals other t- games where you just go completely off and basically win you that matchup that week um i think i'll just go with jamar being a little more consistent with his numbers and ultimately 
potentially being the one of the top right there with Devonte and some of these top two with Cooper and top two three fantasy receivers, and then at that point. Hard to, to argue against them, but maybe I'll say maybe my argument for the other guys is like you said, maybe Chubb gets a few less carries. Maybe it's just teams know they're going to be running the football too much, kind of like Pittsburgh. Maybe those things ultimately, you know, slightly suppress the value. But I still think there's a chance, like you said, Chubb. I think yeah, you got th- a bunch of running backs. I mentioned before we started recording, Dark Horse J.K. Dobbins. We talked about him a bit in one of our early fantasy previews. I think you have a chance for this division to have four just insanely good fantasy running backs. Maybe this will be the guys that lead that next tier um, uh, behind your behind your uh, Jonathan Taylors of the world and Derrick Henry's and if, uh, you know, hopefully McCaffrey stays healthy. <laughs> yeah, lots of options, like you said. I mean, there's, there's a ton. So take your pick uh, when it comes to that. But there you go. There are some thoughts on the AFC North entering the season. And, uh, of course, we'll make our picks and such when we get to our playoff predictions, Super Bowl predictions and all that. Uh, and you'll have a good idea of which direction we're going to go in in this division uh, once we get there uh, and more. So, uh, But for now, Dylan, lots of stuff going up over at Clutch Points. Uh, we've already got one preseason game in the books. Everybody already riding oh, off yes. the Jaguars. Their season's <laughs> over. Um, but, uh, no, a lot of great stuff going on over Clutch Points. Get everybody ready for the season so everybody knows they can find all that. Yeah, you can go to the Clutch Points app to follow all preseason and eventually regular season games in the NFL section there. Uh, ClutchPoints.com, our NFL section, we're looking at first stringers in danger of losing their jobs. That's the series we're going through right now. Still tons of fantasy outlooks for individual players. Uh, we'll ultimately end up going through a series on uh, top players at each position, uh, guys that are undervalued, overvalued, ADP-wise, all that good stuff. They'll be coming out just a little bit later. So, again, I always advise, try to do your drafts closer to the season. Don't don't be caught with picking someone in the preseason. And we just saw Josh Jacobs uh, getting quite a few snaps in that first preseason game. So, please wait if you can. Uh, but if not, still have we do have some fantasy content out there. Uh, also, another series looking at pleasant surprises in training camp, looking at some of the surprises on uh, the first depth charts that some of these teams are uh, uh, releasing. So tons of good stuff in the NFL section of Clutch Points. Yep, be sure to check it all out there. And as always, uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Podcast app you use, search for Sabs to Pass. And uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. And we'll talk to you next time.